Hi, everybody. Welcome to The Good, The Bad, and The Science. I'm your host, Ethan Edinburgh. This is the show where we break down the science of a movie with a comedian and a scientist. And today is a very special episode because I'm not at home. I don't have to worry about letting my cats into the bathroom so that they can go do their thing. I don't have to worry about Zoom because we're in studio live right now. And I'm very excited to have a guest that is combining both a scientist and a comedian. She's a two-in-one. Uh, I'm thrilled to have her here. She's a, uh, a neuroscientist, to be specific, and the host of the Science of Self-Care podcast. It's Shannon O'Dell, PhD. <laughs> Thank you for having me in person. Absolutely. It's a thrill to be here, to I see know. you. Our engineer, Aaron, is here. Aaron, how's it going? Hey. What's up, buddy? Uh, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, I hope that you're good because this whole podcast is basically for you. We're talking about Baby Geniuses today, uh, Academy Award winning film, mm-hmm. um, which uh, actually now that I'm looking at my research did not win any Academy Awards, nor was it nominated, weirdly. Really? I can't believe that. <laughs> I know. With the, with the caliber of film, the... Uh, the acting yep. uh, performances. I thought Baby Bunting would at least be nominated <laughs> for supporting actor, but no, he wasn't. Um, but but I bring up uh, Aaron because he had a child recently. Congratulations to you, Ruby is five months old. Yes, and uh, so this is this is all for you. This is why we're here, Aaron, yeah. is to help uh, people in your exact situation. I appreciate it. Uh, I don't know if she is a baby genius, but uh, I like to think so. Well, hopefully by the end of this podcast, we will find out because here she is, Ruby, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> uh, no, she, we didn't bring her today. But um, but yeah, we before we get into it, you were talking about how you've been uh, beginning sleep training. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, it's a nightmare. It's. I'm sorry to hear that, first of all. I care <laughs> for you. I want you to get your sleep. Um, I assume that's where it's been tough is that you've been having limited amounts of sleep. Is that right? Yeah, uh, only recently. Like she's been really good. She's she's mm-hmm. been sleeping twelve hours. Oh wow! Um, Whoa! Since since about month one, she's mm. either done eight to twelve hours. That sounds extraordinary. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, yeah. That's that's incredible. Um, so, so she is a genius. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Potentially, but <laughs> well, she's been so. doing all of that swaddled, and uh, we are trying to wean her off of that uh, because she she needs to eventually. Yeah. Okay, Shannon, do you have tips? What can he do to get them anti-swaddle? Um, or, well, yeah. You know, unfortunately, my time as a neuroscientist, I did not learn <laughs> anything about baby <laughs> training. Uh, you know, I worked mostly with mice. Um, <laughs> and with mice, you know, you just kind tiny of... Tiny swaddles. Tiny swaddles. Yeah, yeah. We make very little <laughs> tiny swaddles. And... Um, <laughs> You just give them a little kiss on the head, and they normally go straight to sleep. Wow. How many mice have you kissed, would you say? (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to get my doctorate pulled out from under me. (laughs) They find out that's all you were doing. Yeah, exactly. Just kissing mice. Um, Okay, so you brought this movie to my attention. I somehow either missed it or blacked it out. Right, right. From my mind. And I could speak pretty aggressively Mm. on my opinion of this film, but I'm going to let you go first. Sure. I remember seeing this film as a child. Um, I think we talked about it came out, what, in like 99? I believe so. Yeah. So that puts me at uh, 10 years old. Okay. So I don't know. I think this film was probably made for maybe younger than 10 years old, but I saw it then. Um, And uh, I kind of It's always been in the back of my mind. I think it really made an impression on me. And then recently I saw some clips, maybe of Robert and Ebert uh, talking about 
this film mm. and like a couple other films, children's films, and then like arguing about how horrible they were. And I was like, why are they arguing about children's films? <laughs> and they both had the same opinion that it was horrible and yet they're arguing or I, one of them I, liked it. I don't remember if it was this film. They were talking specifically about Baby's Day Out and one of them liked it and one of them hated it, you know. To each his own. To each his own. Um, but this, I, I should have probably looked up. I, I would assume they d- it, it didn't get many thumbs up. <laughs> right. Yeah. Have you seen this movie, Aaron? I have not. Okay. Probably for the best. <laughs> I Listen, I don't want to offend anybody who made the movie. You know, I don't like to to, to crap on movies on, on the podcast. I sure. normally have a great time. I'm easy to please. Yeah. Got to be honest with yeah. you. Uh, however, this movie, I was on board right away. Uh-huh. I loved how it started off with this government, top secret government situation, which is just ripe for parody, which is clearly what they're doing. Yes. And I love that. It was like a fake Mission Impossible or something. So to me, it was like, oh, this is kind of like Zucker Brothers-esque. I'm totally down. And then about two minutes in or so, we see the baby who is escaping, <laughs> Sly or yeah. Sylvester. And just the way that it's shot i guess where this little kid is like doing karate Mm -hmm. and like throwing grown men who are supposed to be government agents (laughs) uh was just very poorly done 100 percent. yeah i mean that said i will say what i did like about this movie i think it's a great premise (laughs) yep i agree with you there i love that the government is breeding babies yes and to be super smart exactly and this kind of like sci-fi for kids i love the idea of like okay we're gonna do a sci-fi uh, movie for kids so kids are going to be in the starring ro- role specifically babies because I think this movie is for babies I don't even <laughs> think it's for kids I think it's for babies um, and uh, but yeah I just think they're there it needs a little bit of improvement maybe some editing <laughs> yeah there was a good i would say there's two things that bothered me and yeah. i want your opinion on on both sure and and aaron i know you haven't seen it but feel free to also weigh in <laughs> because i do want just an outsider's opinion because i think that's fun well it was based on a series of like was it dvds or something or what for kids is that oh, true really i thought what i do know is that it was a whole franchise eventually like this movie was bad and wow. then they made many more <laughs> i think because the premise was so strong yeah right it's a catchy thing like you said it's stuck in your head right and i think that was the whole point yeah. was just like there's no other movies like this it where babies are super smart and they can kick ass yeah and so that will stick with you no matter how horribly we put, make this film exactly and again not trying to offend anybody but you know what? It's also in the like realm of time where like Guess Who's Talking was yes. maybe coming out, and like also that Baby's Day Out film where it, it's a film just about baby a baby like running through New York City. <laughs> this is a whole string of films. For some yeah. reason, people love weird baby movies. Exactly, like putting CGI on a baby's face. <laughs> That was some of the weirdest <laughs> stuff that I've seen in a long time, by the way. There's CGI. You can probably just watch clips of this on YouTube, I'd imagine. Yeah. But there's like a Saturday night... Fe- they, they they reference a ton of films in this movie, by yeah. the way. Like half the dialogue is just making... He says, smoking. You know what I mean? Like there's just <laughs> so many references to other movies. But yeah, there's like a whole Saturday night fever sequence where the baby is dressed up in like a full white suit <laughs> and is disco dancing and it's clearly CGI. Yeah. And they actually play it multiple times times in the movie this is another issue that i had (laughs) they use the same clips in this movie several times and sometimes the same uh dialogue they so he escapes at one point in a uh a diaper uh cart 
in a cart yes. of dirty diapers yes. where he says the words diaper gravy. Did you did you notice this? I didn't notice that exact word, but I remember I remember that scene. He jumps in there, he smells it, he goes, "Oh, diaper gravy," <laughs> and then three more times people say diaper gravy in this movie, <laughs> as if that's like a common slang for poop for baby poop. Right, right. So that bugged me a little bit. I gotta say. <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I tried to enjoy the movie as much as I could, but there was just certain elements of it that were really strange. The other one I got to just point out, I want to get both your opinions on, mm. is that, and this was uh, this was throughout the entire film, is that babies, I think before two years old, they, sure. they referenced, have universal knowledge. Sure. That somehow, I, I think a Tibetan, like an ancient Tibetan book is referenced or something like that. They right. just skim over it. Yeah. <laughs> they just say it and then move on. Yeah. But supposedly, tiny babies possess not only the ability to speak to each other, right. to understand each other in some sort of ancient language that Christopher Lloyd spit out at one point. <laughs> yeah. But but yeah, that there's like a crossover period where they like become two years old and they can feel this coming, by the way, which is really funny. Yeah. But then when it happens, they like, so they like can start to speak normal human stuff. Yeah. Although I got to say they broke their own logic and the babies <laughs> were speaking to the adults before that moment. It's true. But okay. Was, yeah. Whoever was uh, uh, kind of like following the logic through this film, there was a lot of holes in the logic. A lot of, a holes. Lot of holes. A lot of holes. <laughs> yeah. Weird holes in this movie. Yeah. Sci-fi uh, writers would be pissed, I think. Yeah. But okay. So yeah. What's your take on babies having any sort of uh, universal sure. knowledge, universal truth. You know, okay, so for all its faults, I think there are a lot of interesting concepts or kind of parallels we can make with actual science in this film. Great. I know this is wild to say, but I really... That's why we're here. This is this is why we're here. And, and you know, I'm glad I could think about it in this way, because if not, I would think this is there's no science here. But if I really stretch it, there is. <laughs> you know, so the idea that we, I think, Part of it was the idea that we hold on to ancient memories, right? The idea was like it was stored in the limbic system is, I think, what Christopher Lloyd said. Yes, that's correct. Um, which, you know, the limbic system is just the areas of the brain that are involved in emotion processing and fear and things like that. Mm. Um, there's no past life proof. There's no past life proof, but that said, we know that our bodies and our brains can Inherit, we can inherit memories. And what I mean by that is, you know, very, it's not maybe exactly how you think inherit memories, but we can inherit trauma, Ooh. which can affect, you know, our development. There's, you know, we have everything, things that are passed down like our genetics, right? I mean, mm -hmm. we kind of know that your genetic code is kind of, you know, the, the instruction manual to who you are as a person. But then we have on top of our genetics or on top of our DNA, we have this thing called epigenetics, which literally means on top of DNA. And that's mm. actually a little of what I studied um, in my dissertation. And it's the, the idea that the environment can affect your genes. So basically, you have your instruction manual, you have your DNA, but your epigenetics or your environment can then kind of write over your genes. So it can kind of highlight different parts of the book, which Whoa. is your instruction manual. And that can then be passed down. Okay. Through generations. So there is 
you you can collect in, inform your bodies uh, can collect information about the environment whether that we a lot of times see it through trauma like if you experience trauma and then pass it down to your offspring into and we see that actually happen with multiple generations so there is i think just like a little sliver of scientific great you know factuality in this movie that's great that's i want to zoom into it so i and i want to understand this so epigenetics can be passed down or is that only after your genetics are passed down then the the change uh or or the stimuli that's affecting your genetics is the epigenetics sure that's a great question so it's actually a confusing answer (laughs) as everything is you know uh, originally when the field of epigenetics was first formed there was this idea that it it for something to be an epigenetic mark, it had to be passed down. Mm. Uh, now, sometimes we talk about epigenetics in a kind of more short-term phrase. So, like, it can just be how your genetic code is expressed. So, kind of like, you know, how the different proteins in different areas of your bodies are being expressed and what that means. So, and but also it can mean the passing on. Something to kind of think about or sometimes how I visualize it. So, say a grandmother who is pregnant uh, with a daughter. Uh, Anything that she experiences during the time that she's pregnant is maybe not only affecting her daughter, which is in utero, but also the eggs that are forming or the reproductive system that is forming inside her daughter. Whoa. So sometimes if you think about it, you know, you were inside your grandmother. Wow. Yeah, you know, I part have of not you, thought about that. Yeah, really. part of your genetic code was inside your grandmother during the time that she was pregnant with your, with your, with your, with your mother. So, what happened to my grandmother while she was pregnant yeah. affects my DNA. It can, yeah, it can, it can. Okay, and that's just kind of the thought of epigenetics that, like, you know, since eggs were being developed at that time, you know, and that genetic code was kind of being generated, and half your genetic code was is in the egg. Um, that can have an effect. Um, and we're just even, the field itself, we're just learning more and more all the different ways that we can be affected by our environment. Um, I think for a long time we thought everything was in our genes. Like whatever you're passed down from your parents genetically, you know, just mm-hmm. that hardwiring code, that's everything. But we know that that's really only half the story, if not less than half the story. It's really how our genes are being read by our body, so. Whoa, so what kind of trauma are we talking about that Mm. can affect the epigenetics? Yeah, I mean, any kind of, so uh, in my research, we always worked in animal models, so it could be, you know, trauma such as, um, just like any kind of stress. So some of the models, animal models, would use like um, maternal separation, so. Uh, just like the kind of kind of idea, if you separate the mother from the pups from for a period of time, that could create stress, and that stress can actually be passed on to the next generation, and maybe even the next generation. Wow! So once again, stress is the killer. It's the killer, but I mean, we can think about it in different ways. We can think about it in a way of adaptability. So, you know, this is all toward driven towards survival. So, if your grandmother is an ex in a situation that is especially stressful, maybe it passes down a little bit of anxiety or an Mm. especial alertness because you're kind of signaling it's a stressful environment. So maybe offspring need to be a little bit more alert. Okay, that sounds positive. It's positive, but you know, it can be maladaptive in us living in our our world. But um, I just think it's always interesting to think about everything in 
in context about how who we are is affected not only by our present day but also generations before us yeah um are there things that we can do to positively affect our genetics sure i mean part of that part of that thinking at the same time is that our environment very much changes who we are so we know our brain is incredibly plastic right Mm -hmm. so it is you know adaptable to the environment so there are ways you know to help you know change our brain chemistry and you know we're not set in stone because we know that you know we're so affected by our environment Mm -hmm. so i think yeah there's positive and negatives to being a human being (laughs) (laughs) sure (laughs) that's a good conclusion that's the overall thesis i've come to (laughs) you got an a for that yeah 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 that's it they graded a a to a to f so i mean i i assume minimizing stress because stress can also be from a positive thing if you're too excited too much that's also bad right sure so maintaining like a zen vibe yeah i mean i think you know stress yeah stress can be positive right we know that we know like a little bit of stress helps uh increase performance right sure um but But too much is bad but too much is bad. i've gotten too excitable and spoken too much when i shouldn't have and regretted it (laughs) immediately sure sure so that's also bad yeah i mean any kind of prolonged stress on our bodies and on our brains it's gonna be it's gonna be rough and people have different you know resilience to that stress based on you know their based on their epigenetics so based on what's happened to their grandparents or their parents and you know based on how they were raised so Mm. um yeah i don't know what the what i'm coming to but back to baby geniuses great film by the way (laughs) i love it what i'm saying is so this idea of ancient memories no we don't have ancient memories but we do have, you know, we do inherit memories from our past, meaning like in the form of like maybe like stress profiles or something like that. Um, and also we're very much shaped by our own evolution. So which is kind of a past memory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the babies were very impressive to me in this movie. <laughs> um, I was very surprised. And do they like... Can babies communicate better with each other? That was the main question I had while oh, watching. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, like, what's that about? Because it seems like it takes a really long time mm. for us, just comparatively, to yeah. understand our infants. Yeah, I mean, that's a that's a great question. I mean, baby babble, what they, in the movie, they called it, what, baby babble? Is that the way they talk uh, Sure. Don't know. Bab- baby talks? I think they called it maybe baby, baby talk. talk? Don't know. I have diaper gravy written four times. <laughs> they called it diaper gravy. Uh, um. <laughs> I have Tuffet written down because at one point oh, she says, yeah. what does Miss Muffet sit on? And he goes, a Tuffet. She goes, well, what the hell is a Tuffet? And there was no yeah. answer to that in the movie. There was no answer. I also actually thought that was a good thing of dial that was a good scene that, that was a good scene i agree with you <laughs> it was like okay. the only good scene we have common ground yeah that is a good scene and by the way no babies in that scene no babies two in that adults scene. talking yeah kim Tr- cattrall and uh whoever I, I don't know that guy's name either and i love that guy yeah that guy was a dad in like a lot of movies yeah i he was in another movie where he was like freaking out oh my god (laughs) hopefully i'll look this up hey guys ethan here i couldn't at the time of the recording think of this guy's name but his name is peter mcnichol or mcnichol and the movie that i was thinking of is dracula dead and loving it where he played renfield 
absolutely hilarious movie from 1995, Leslie Nielsen. If you haven't seen it, please watch it. And I guess this is good a time as any to cut to a commercial break. So we will be right back to the show after this. The break is over. Here we go. Back to the show about science. But yeah, baby babble, baby. Sure. How babies talk. Yeah, I mean... Something that's interesting that I was reading about because I was interested too because just like how they were talking about baby talk was interesting to me um, is that baby talk does have a purpose. It's not just like, you know, useless babbling like, you know, neuroscientists and developmental biologists think, you know, it's really important for forming speech later on that hmm. children start to mimic language. Speak. Yeah, exactly. Which is why I don't like when adults speak to babies like babies. Do you know what I mean? I know what you mean, but there's there, there's a reason that that okay, that people talk to their babies in that way. I like when they just speak to them like people. Like yes, they go, hi, I, Lewis. <laughs> I tend to talk to children that way, mm-hmm. um, but there is a like a biological just innate. A, exactly talking to babies that way you talk in a certain enunciation and kind of like a kind of sing-songiness and it's thought to facilitate language uh, learning in it's kids. easier for them to pick up right okay and it's sense. kind of done in different languages but another interesting thing about baby talk that i was reading was that actually babies babble in different languages differently oh okay that makes sense which kind of shows that how the baby babbling is really like pre-language kind of like you trying to learn language and Mm -hmm. really helps facilitate that language learning because the fact that that babies that are learning different languages babble differently like right that's huge yeah i it seems to have a huge effect how you speak like i guess what i was saying before is i don't like when people do it like that it's like a super cute puppy and they go to this like high frequency yeah, yeah. voice right. that I think bothers me because I'm like, your kid's going to talk like that and it's going <laughs> to drive me crazy, you know? Or, I mean, just your attitude in general, like yeah. should adjust when you have a child, I sure. think. Like better yourself as much as possible. I'm not talking to you directly, Aaron. I'm just yeah. saying to everybody overall, I was in a boba tea shop the other day <laughs> and this lady was there with her kid. The kid was maybe six seven Mm. years old and i could tell that this lady was a pain in the butt human you know she's giving (laughs) the guy the cashier a really hard time he's being super nice i'm sorry ma'am i'm going to void this you know transaction i can get you whatever you need and she's just going off and off and off as they're leaving i hear the kid say to the mom this is the first time i've heard him speak and he goes this is the worst boba i've ever tasted and i was like you see because you act like that now your kid (laughs) of course is a pain in the butt it's so rare to even have a bad boba. They're all so good. Yeah, I can't imagine. I literally can't imagine a bad boba. I also had a boba from the place, and <laughs> guess what? It was great. Okay? B- boba, I think it's called Boba Time. It's on Verdugo. Shout out. Go get one. It yeah. was fantastic. But anyways, yeah, so I think it is important to... I see what you're saying. To, yeah. t- to talk to the baby in like a rhythmic, fun mm-hmm. way. And yeah. like, yeah, baby talk. Uh, but, you know, don't have an attitude. Don't, yeah. don't teach your baby to be a prick. Of course not. But I want to know, Aaron, do you use do you do baby talk to your baby? Ruby? Oh, 100%. Yeah. It's hard not to. They're so, they're so cute. Yeah. yeah. And maybe that's the biological thing. Like when something's super cute, like oh, I talk yeah. to my cats like that. Well, but I know they're yeah. not going to learn to talk. They're not going to learn to talk, but there is some research actually that shows that baby talk can facilitate kind of attention in at least dogs. Oh. That dogs pay attention oh. a little bit more when you use that kind of baby talk. Interesting. Um, so, yeah, I guess there Maybe is a reason. Maybe it's because when you speak like that, you're showing in a really direct way that you like this thing mm. or that you're excited about something maybe. Yeah. And so they're 
you know, prone to pay attention. Right. Or think like, oh, I'm about to get pet or I'm about to get a treat or. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, there's I think about even now I'm like imagining a baby and talking to it. which, But I feel like there's like intense eye contact when you do baby talk. Yep. Yep. I agree. <laughs> Are you intensely looking in Ruby's eyes, Aaron? Uh, I, I mean, I can't get enough of her. Oh. I'll show you guys a photo. Yeah, that'd be please. good. Could you imagine if that wasn't the case, though? If on this podcast you were just like, honestly, guys, I can't stand my damn child. Oh. <laughs> I don't know if anybody feels that way. Yeah, that no. would be pretty chaotic. Um, yeah, I would love to see as many photos as possible. I'm already obsessed with Ruby. Uh, I want her as a guest on the show. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, did you did you worry about that uh, the the baby talk thing? Does that come across your mind? Um. Not right now, but yeah, I do. I do worry about it. Mm -hmm. What about music? Are you like sensitive mm. to what music you play your kid? I know that's a big thing. No, I mean, ironically, we're watching like my wife and I are watching Outlander, and so the baby's there, and that's a super sexy show. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just, I'm just like, well, whatever. I mean, I saw it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, she's gonna be a huge Outlander fan. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Um, okay, can we talk about baby strength? Sure. Or okay. Baby, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Hand-eye coordination, possibly. I don't. Maybe that's a neuroscience there, link. There was a lot of baby strength. <laughs> yeah, a whole lot. Yeah. Uh, in ways that, once again, I think contradicted contradicted themselves. There yeah. was a part where the baby. Just to give you an idea, guys, if you haven't seen this movie in a long time, <laughs> or if you haven't seen it at all, there's a part where they three of them in a coordinated attack yeah. uh, grab onto these ropes. Uh, they're in this like huge indoor theme park yes. and they swing like, I don't know, a hundred feet up and kick these goons Yes, and send them flying backwards. And so can a baby hold themselves up by a rope? I guess that's a good starting place. You know, babies do have these like innate reflexes. I don't know as much about it, but like I know that like if you like a baby will hang on to something if you if you kind of put it in front of them. And, OK, um, can they do a pull up? Can babies do a pull-up? I don't know if babies can do a pull-up. Aaron? No. No. <laughs> but they do have this reflex where, like, if you put your finger in your baby's hand, like, it grabs. Oh, right. Does Ruby grab your finger? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So we do have these kind of reflexes, but, yeah. How's her diaper gravy smell? <laughs> it's not good. Okay. Sorry about that, uh, Shannon. How many times? How many times daily does she say diaper, diaper gravy? gravy? Yeah, does she go Ugh, diaper gravy? <laughs> and then you know, like she's got to be cleaned. <laughs> um, but yeah, what was interesting is they never really explain why baby Sly is so strong. Like, I think they do. Well, they do. They do say like he is a genius, right? Yeah. No, you're right, and I did not think about this. There is no, <laughs> no explanation. No explanation. Not even in the training grounds because no. they built them this little habitat, right? But there's no uh, workout equipment or nothing, and it's like. Yeah, we don't really that doesn't get explained i mean also no. the hypnosis doesn't get explained yeah they have like a you're right jedi power in this yes. movie it's beyond intelligence it's right. yeah hypnosis you're right yeah. not explained not explained and not utilized enough <laughs> yeah only like one time they did that. all of a sudden well i think it was interesting because it like stemmed from the idea that twins could talk to each other <laughs> right there was some of that yes and then it was like like telepathically from great distances right yes and yes, then it yes. was like like, oh, and also we can mind control. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why not? Throw it in there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which, I don't know, maybe some parents would say that their kids can kind of mind control them. Like, 
Mm-hmm. Aaron, would you think? Oh, actually, yeah. Aaron, maybe this will spark something. In the movie, the father, the, the baby is trying to talk to him and he's talking in this ancient Tibetan baby language or whatever right. the hell. Right. Um, and he actually understands some of that language. He yeah. gets like a message. So have you ever been in conversation with Ruby and you felt like, oh, I'm, I'm getting a sense of something here. I feel like she's mm. trying to tell me something. No. Okay. Oh. <laughs> Very cool. There are, de- there are definitely times where she's babbling across the room and I go, oh, I think she said my name, but other than Aww. that. Oh, okay. So that's just like an ego thing. Yeah, that's, that's just, just selfish. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I do think there is like a part. Uh, I do think parents can understand their kids babble probably more than other yeah, like definitely. I think of even my nephew, like when he was beginning to talk, I'd be like, I have no idea what he's saying, but my sister would be like, he he wants this. It's like kind of <laughs> we're like, not giving that to him right now. Right, <laughs> we're <laughs> pretending like we don't understand. Um, but that did make me think of uh, you were talking about the environment that they were living in. Yes, and this whole idea. I just I want to go back to the science here, great, because I think there is some science here. The whole idea is it's set up that they are conducting a twin study, right? Which a twin study slash those other babies, the, that are those other babies <laughs> that are just kind of. But Sly is like the star, right? Because yes. Sly is the twin, and uh, so they put one of the twin who they decided is not a genius. How they're deciding what baby is a genius and what baby is not. Very interesting. Not really explained. No, they claim to have like thousands of babies. Yeah, they claim they to don't have, show that. They don't. And okay. then they, they test them right. by, I don't know how, because they, they keep on showing their brain waves. Right. But they don't have any kind of devices on their heads. So I'm like, how are they measuring their neural activity? <laughs> I didn't think about that. that I, was, I was thinking about well, how they were true. collecting data. And then I was like, well, maybe they implanted electrodes or like something Ooh. like, because maybe, I don't know, it's sci-fi, who knows? Sure. But then when they have the other twin in there, when you know because there's a big mix up yeah he doesn't have no so it wouldn't it wouldn't make sense so anyway that's a that's off that's off topic but anyway they're doing this twin study which is something is done in science a lot right this idea that like if you take identical twins like can we really see the effect of the environment on you know development or like who you become and that's that is a concept that comes up time and time again in science scientists are obsessed with especially neuroscientists and psychologists obsessed with twin studies yeah there's freaks Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) They're so obsessed with twins. I I like to say that, like, we're like an industry that's obsessed with twins, which is like a little bit weird. (laughs) Hey, at least you're saying it's from inside the industry, and I'm not here insulting you. (laughs) There's only a couple industries that obsessed with twins. (laughs) That's one of them. Yeah. Um, Also, uh, light beers and uh, bubblegum. Yeah. Yes, that's true. And mattresses. They love twin sized stuff. Yeah, that that, uh, commercial is all actually about neuroscientists. Yep. <laughs> and twins. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so there's actually this thing called, you know, the Minnesota study of twins mm. reared apart where they were scientists looked at, you know, twins that were adopted into different families, identical twins, and saw like how similar were they. And, you know, they, they did see that some twins that were reared separately were ha- did have like a lot of similarities. But the problem with all these studies, of course, is that in neuroscientists in neuroscience and psychology we like to have a large n it's called so a large sample size and with twins you're you're getting happens. you're getting an n of 1 you're getting one mm-hmm. comparison if you're doing one study of twins yeah. which is all they were doing so bad science on 
on that. Them. And N, I think, just stands for number. You can say that. What's just, that? It just stands for number. N. Oh, yeah. N is, yeah, number. It's the number of <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not that. You know, I know your PhD, but that's <laughs> what it is. Yeah. Okay, that's true. <laughs> I've lost I've lost sight of uh, what things mean. Yeah. The uh, other one is the Valium. At one point, they mentioned uh, that they're giving a kid a Valium. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. That is bad. <laughs> I assumed it was bad. And again, it was just skimmed over and thrown in there. And right. I was like, what? I got to write that down. Right. So yeah, what would happen if you give a kid a Valium? Why would you do that? I don't know why you would do that. I mean, a Valium, Valium is just like a benzodiazepine. So it just kind of increases inhibitory activity on the brain. But benzodiazepines are sometimes used in seizures to like reduce or in epilepsy to reduce seizures. It's also used in anxiety disorders. Uh to reduce anxiety, but I, it, they're not approved for children, for babies that young. Yeah. I do not think so. Boy, this podcast is just chock full of expert advice, like not giving your babies Valium. Uh, for more great tips, uh, tune in after the break. We'll be right back. The break is over. Here we go. Back to the show about science. Christopher Lloyd in general seems very evil in this movie oh yeah very skeptic the entire time also of just like even i think right at the beginning one of his first lines is just like i don't know about this right but he's like he just has an evil face in this movie yes and what's interesting about his part is that i guess he's supposed to be like the scientist because there's the right. other there's kathleen Tr- elena i think elena is her name. yeah yeah so she's like the evil yeah but he's the scientist. I mean, I guess they're both scientists. It's hard to say that she's a scientist, but I'm going to go with you on this. <laughs> yeah. She's almost like the like person, the CEO. She's the right. evil CEO. And he's like the scientist. Um, but, you know, Christopher Lloyd really made a career of being scientists. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> on the bleeding edge. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. Um, I mean, luckily he was in this movie because mm-hmm. his, I can watch him do anything. Right. Um, he was awesome. There was a really funny scene to me as a musician Mm. where if you will recall there is music being played a sly is banging on a piano and it sounds like garbage town it's just a bunch of noise and christopher (laughs) lloyd's character is explaining to elena uh that like actually this is genius this is on the level of mozart like the computer once we ran it through the computer yeah the computer this music sounds like this and then he plays it and it's completely different it sounds like really nice and i just thought that was hilarious because i don't know what kind of computation Is going to convert that if banging. If we take these notes and just change them to different notes. <laughs> change the rhythm of them and change what they are, it becomes really nice. It becomes for Elise. Um, so I thought that was really great and also worth, if you don't want to watch this whole movie, which, hey, I don't blame you. Totally get it. At least go on YouTube and watch this like weird music computation part because I thought that was really, really funny. Yeah. There was a part where Sly first gets into the city and says, mm. where are the chicks? And so I thought that was strange because he's supposed to be like five or something. Well, there's there's a lot of like questionable language going on between the babies. There's a lot of like. Yeah. yeah. Insults. They're always like having like sarcastic insults to each other. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's supposed to be the humor, which is kind of like the humor. I think look who's talking too. it's like, oh, these babies are rude. Yeah. They're also like (laughs) 
assholes, uh, which I guess is funny. Yeah, it can be. Yeah. It can be funny. Um, if it had a little bit more logic, I feel like maybe, right. you know, if it was like an adult soul that was right. sent into a baby, I'm just throwing things out here. Or like the, like, we're so mean because we know all the secrets of the universe, right? Because this is a big thing that they're glossing over is like, these babies know the secrets of the universe, whatever that means. Yep. But never they, explained. Never explained. But they know all everything that's happened maybe ever is is the idea so like maybe that's made them hardened Mm -hmm. people i would love that explanation yeah if one of them said that (laughs) and maybe just even a summation of what the secrets are what it has to do with right um because that was such a huge there's a there's another scene yeah christopher lloyd and elena i don't even know christopher (laughs) lloyd's name in the movie i'm realizing now but they are just jumping to conclusions about the babies like in real time right uh which i guess serves like exposition for the movie but they're just <laughs> talking to one another. And Christopher Lloyd is like, well, maybe they're speaking their own language. And maybe the language is ancient. And maybe <laughs> they know everything about everything. And then when they're two, their limbic system shuts down and they can't tell us anymore. Right. And she just instantly jumps on board. And she's like, yes, that makes sense. We are going to be so famous. Yes. Um, and none of it made sense. None of it It was so wacko. And also not essential. We didn't need that in the movie. <laughs> like, it could have just been... The government's breeding babies Mm -hmm. to be hyper-intelligent and strong. Show them working out. I would love that. I would love a montage of that. Yeah, and then just like them escaping, trying to find their real parents or something. Like, that's enough. I don't need, you know, Tibetan whatever the hell crossing over universal knowledge. Anyway, I know we can't fix this. Right. I know the movie is made and it's out now. The movie is made, unfortunately. It's not still at the storyboard stage where we can pitch out <laughs> these ideas to the writers. But yeah. I do think uh, it's interesting, the idea of, like, that's how science is. It's, like, rather than them, like, you know, in real science, in real science, what would happen is someone would, like, propose that and everyone would be like, no, 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 no. You know, it's so hard to prove anything new in science because... You know, we we really have to show evidence for it. Um, but yeah, in this movie, it's just like, huh, here's half of an idea. That <laughs> that's is enough. That's <laughs> enough. We don't need any, any evidence. We're just going with this. Okay, so I, just about geniuses um, in general. There's a line where somebody says genius occurs one in every ten thousand. Oh yes, I remember that. People, yeah. So is that true? What is that? I mean, what is your definition of genius? Um, I it seems like I I really am not sure what their definition is because they're taking they're they're judging babies, um, which uh, I mean maybe some would say like you could do an IQ test, but you know IQ tests are really problematic and mm. what do they actually measure? Um, you there there are tests you can do in neuroscience like you can test different executive functions, you can test working memory or like uh, you know uh, recall or uh, attention and things like that, but you really can't do them on babies because it requires giving people instruction and then them doing a test. So, yeah, I have no idea where their one in 10,000 number, maybe like, I I don't know, I'm just spitballing, maybe like what Mensa says, but. Mm -hmm. How many Mensas are there and like, I don't know, compared to people? And I don't know. And what does it mean? I guess Mensa is all based on IQ, right? Right. Which we know that's not really a measure of intelligence, so. 
Okay, sweet. Well, next time somebody insults my intelligence, you can tell them, like, well, the IQ tests are kind of wonky. Yeah, exactly. They're problematic. Uh, yep. And uh, there are many ways to measure, you know, intelligence. How, I mean, at what age could you, can you, like, start to recognize that your baby is smart or is, like, getting it? Yeah, I mean, I guess it depends on what, what your definition of smart is. It, it, like, you know, is it... The idea that you can retain a lot of information based on like, you know, our current schooling systems and like how they present information, then like, okay, that's one measure. Mm -hmm. I I don't know. I just think uh, kind of like intelligent tests are... Not making the same stupid mistakes over and over again. Oh, I have a very, very low intelligence then (laughs) because... (laughs) Okay, that's good to know. So if your baby keeps messing up over and over and over again, no matter how many times you tell them no... They can still get a PhD. They could still get a PhD. Really, anyone <laughs> can get a PhD. They're up for grabs. They're up for grabs. Mine is being pulled away because I kissed the baby mice too much. But <laughs> started making out with all these mice, Shannon. <laughs> you gotta stop doing that. I know. Ugh, it's not worth losing your education. <laughs> um, okay, well, I feel like we've uh, squeezed this lemon. Um, uh, Aaron, any other questions about mm-hmm. Ruby or about the the future of your upbringing or anything like that? No, I think we got. I saw this movie. Uh, if as long as I watch this movie, I'll have it covered. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, that's yeah. right. <laughs> yeah, this movie is really if nothing else. It's an instruction manual on how to raise kids. Yeah, and how to make a great film. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm uh, again. Don't want to insult anybody who worked on the movie. I'm sorry. I'm saying these things. Yeah. It's just an easy target at this point, and all I can think about in my head is the CGI, yeah. dancing baby stuff, and I can't get over it. It's hard. Well, you know, this movie is on a lot of lists of the worst movies oh, great. the past, you know, 30, 50 years, which I think actually is unfair because Ooh. I've seen a lot of movies that have no premise or like have no point of view. And I think right. that's worse. This had a style. Yes. It was a bad one. Sure. It, it had a premise. It, there had whole, There were holes, sure. Yeah. But well, maybe it's a way to also bring attention to it and, uh, you know promote it i guess in some way so yeah. i guess bring you know shine some light on it which is nice yeah I, because i've definitely seen worse films than this oh, absolutely. i mean there is some like really decent acting uh by the adults and uh <laughs> oh wow so the, the babies you do not like the babies the babies were very cute it was just unfortunate what they made them say they and were the, literally maybe three years old <laughs> They were yeah. definitely older than the age that they were supposed to be. Yes, definitely true. <laughs> um, but uh, but no, listen, it's a you know it's a fun film. I'm 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 sorry for saying the things that I've said. <laughs> I feel bad. It's just like I said, it's an easy target, and I was. There was a few times where I was watching this movie thinking, what the hell am I doing? What is going on right now? It's very strange. Um, but uh, but I thank you for watching it, and I thank you for bringing it. Yeah, I mean, I sort of forced you to watch it because I suggested this film. You did. Listen, I had a good time. I'm not going (laughs) to lie to you. I did laugh out loud several times. Probably not the way the movie intended me to laugh, but I did start laughing. Uh, And I will be scared of baby bunting for years (laughs) to come. That is a freaky uh, robot baby. Yeah, yeah. People obviously should listen to The Science of Self-Care wherever they get their podcasts. Sure. And where else can they find you? You can find me on Instagram or on Twitter at Shodell. Uh, You can find me on TikTok at Shannon.PhD. Um, I'm also a cast member on the podcast Fun City. Ooh. Uh, check that out. Wherever. That sounds fun. 
wherever podcasts are. Okay. Well, you, if you're listening to this, you know exactly where they are. <laughs> um, I thank you for coming. I'm glad that we could do this in the studio. This was so fun. So absolutely fun. Uh, well, thank you, Aaron. And thank you, Shannon. Of course, I will see you next time. Bye-bye. Bad Science is a Seeker podcast produced by Emily Feld and me, Ethan Edinburgh. The executive producer is Brett Kushner, and our social media is managed by Blue Whale Media. And please leave us an iTunes review. Give us five stars. I sound like an Uber driver, but it does help. It makes sure people know about the podcast, which we really appreciate. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.